0: This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, we go full East Coast lifestyle as we talk to Micah Kersey, head coach of the Thunderbirds, and Alex Pace, Halifax's own. Plus, the Calgary Roughnecks get a brand new look, the ALL is heading west, and signing season keeps on rolling. All that more right here on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League action. Matthews,
1: quick stick. What? What?
0: Good everybody, welcome back. Happy Thursday. What's going on? How you been? It's been a week. It has been a week. Welcome back to the Off the Crossbar podcast. My name is Teddy Jenner. You can find me at uh, on Twitter at Off the Crossbar or email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Or follow the show on Instagram at OTCB Podcast we got a lot to get to. Um, as I'm doing this, I'm currently watching the women's semifinal at the U.S. Open. Layla Fernandez versus uh, Sabalenka. And uh, she won the first set, the Canadian kid did. And uh, she's 3-3 in the second. So. kind of got a bit of my attention. So, obviously, we'll Thursday night football tonight. Uh, I am, like many of you probably, in a lot of fantasy leagues. It's the most I've ever been in. And... It's three, so it's probably not a lot, but um, the, the one I'm most excited about is the Patty Merrill Invitational. Uh, myself, Patrick Merrill, Mike McClellan, Bill Greer, Casey Powell, Jamie Rooney, uh, Matt Vince, Matt Alrich, Jordan Hall. I think that's everybody. And as a bit of an incentive... Um, once fantasy season is of, oh, and Curtis Wagger. How could I forget Cujo? Um, when the season is over and the championship is crowned, the champion will come on this show and get 10 minutes to gloat, talk shit, brag, let everybody know why he was the best. On the other end of the coin the loser will get five minutes to come on the show and talk about why they suck so much and all the bad decisions they made and get ridiculed for five minutes so um incentive based game uh for fantasy football uh i'm excited we got one for the flash boys and girls as well um yeah so it'll be a lot of fun we'll keep you up to date on on all that stuff going on um good luck in all your fantasies game one tonight gets going Um, we got a lot to get to today. Um, Alex Pace from the Philadelphia Wings, uh, but also of Northern Torch Lacrosse, uh, doing excellent work just bringing the game of lacrosse to some areas that don't necessarily get as much attention. Two places they've sort of focused on are Owen Sound and Halifax. So he's a Halifax kid, uh, born and raised, spent his junior years with the St. Catharines Athletics, now a national lacrosse leaguer, uh, going to Brock. So we'll talk to him about everything that's going on with Northern Torch, um, what their future plans are, uh, how school's going. He is doing a very cool thesis. Um, so you'll want to stick around for that. Uh, we'll talk to Micah Kersey, head coach of the Th- Halifax Thunderbirds, who had a nice draft day setting as they were down in Jacksonville, Florida, um, on the dime of owner Kurt Stars. They brought in their whole staff. Uh, they flew... Uh, Chuck the Man and Prestige Tyson Geick down to do a bunch of social stuff. Uh, So the Flash Boys were in the house. Lucky Penny Media was in the house. Um, And they came out with some really, really cool behind-the-scenes footage from that weekend. Um, So we'll talk to Mike about everything that went on with the draft, as a coach working towards this new season, um, and a bunch of stuff like that. Um, We'll talk uh, the Kaga Roughnecks and their new look. Um, The ALL announced that they are bringing an ALL West division. Um, So that's very big when you think about giving these kids an extra chance uh, to continue playing. Um, And we'll talk the voided picks thing um, from the draft. If you saw it, if you didn't see it, um, I know Jake and Jamie Dowick talked about it on Lacrosse Classified this week. I got a few other little things to add to that um, conversation. I'll bring everybody up to speed. But... Earlier this week, news came and it shook everybody to the core, and that was the passing of Dean Hill. And it's still really hard to believe that he's gone and that it happened more or less so quickly. Um, When I first heard the news, um, obviously I scoured Twitter to see if there's anything else out there and, you know... There wasn't much. I think Benny's tweet was the first one I saw. I saw one from Dougie Jameson. Um, and then news just kind of, Not even news. Just more people finding out and expressing um, their heartfelt condolences and their love for Diener um, and all the amazing things that he did. Some of the pictures Benny posted of, of the two of them when they were out here playing for the Shamrocks and they were having um, their 80s night. And... Um, but the thing that I'll always remember about Dean Hill is the smile. Um, and I think it's probably a very endearing quality to have when someone can say, you know what, your smile lights up a room. But Dean did that. No matter when you talk to him before, after, during a game, he always had a smile on his face. Even in the heart of competition, you could you could see that smile. When he talked about how much he loved playing the game, he had a smile. When he was in the locker room hanging with the boys, he always had the smile. And the character went along with it. He could crack you up, he'd have you in stitches, he could tell a story. And you just wanted to be around him. You just loved his energy, you loved his enthusiasm. And as a lacrosse fan, you loved to watch him play the game because he loved playing the game. And he had some of the silkiest mitts on the inside of the crease that just handcuffed goaltenders and left defenders in their wake. And I don't really know if we'll ever really find out what happened to Diener. But along with myself and everybody else, our thoughts are with the Hill family, the Six Nations lacrosse community. His brothers, his sisters, his aunts, his uncles, his cousins, his parents, the kids that he coached. Our condolences and our thoughts and our prayers are with you all because he was an amazing person and he will be greatly missed. Rest in peace, brother. Probably the biggest news of the week was teased by Calgary on Monday that on Wednesday they would have a major announcement. And Danny Springs seems to always have his finger on the pulse. He's lacrosse's version of Bobby Margarita. And he kind of, you know, let it know that there might be some new corporate sponsors and colors for the Roughnecks. And you thought to yourself, there's no way they get away from red. Calgary, the Flames, the Stamps, the Hitmen, forever the Roughnecks, always had red. It's the sea of red. And it was just, you just thought, okay, whatever they're doing, they're going to change a little bit of the colors, but they won't get away from the red because they're Roughneck Red. Well, the partnership with WestJet changes all that. As WestJet's colors are teal and blue and their rival Air Canada is red. So we kind of want to avoid that. Um, They have naming rights to the field. They don't want really red floating around too much. Love them or hate them, it's the colors that they went with and it's the scheme that they went with and they will continue to go with it. But Danny Lomas made a very good point on Twitter today. Saying that you can hate the jerseys and the color scheme all you want. You can hate the color of the turf and all that all you want. But what you cannot hate is the fact that WestJet, one of the largest companies in all of Canada, has deeply invested into the National Cross League. And more importantly, the Calgary Roughnecks. They are Calgary-based, they are Canadian-owned, And it is a fantastic partnership. So. Colors aside. The change of the turf aside. Which as they teased was something we'd never seen before. We kind of thought maybe it was coming. um, But I honestly didn't think that it would be Calgary and a teal and blue turf. But. But. The injection of WestJet as a major investing partner in a team in the National Lacrosse League is massive for the future of our game. It's akin to TSN being involved. And akin to Side being involved. And the Pagulas and Stan Kroenke. Like, you continue to bring this money in. And it is huge for our sport. And those guys in Calgary, I'm sure, will probably be getting some extra air miles and maybe a couple first class bumps here or there. Not going to hate that, are you? Definitely not. Um, so if you haven't seen him, you can go to the Roughnecks website um, and check out the pictures of the jerseys. They had Christian Del Bianco, Reese Callies, Dan Taylor on hand. Um, and they introduced new jerseys and they had some kids out there playing on the turf. Um, so. Uh, It was a major announcement. And one, I think, across the board, the sponsorship side of things, I think we all have to be excited about it. The color thing, Calgary fans were not happy. The majority of them were not happy. But sometimes, as they say, money talks. And... If that is what your major sponsor wants and they want to purchase your field and they want to, you know, invest in you, then you kind of have to give them what they want. So the Calgary Roughnecks have a new look. And it's a look. I'll leave it at that. Growing up, there wasn't a lot of lacrosse for Alex Pace in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He barely even knew what the National Lacrosse League was and maybe had only seen the sport on TV once or twice. It took a lot of convincing from some coaches and some friends, namely Chet Kinesny, to convince him to leave the Eastern Rock and head to Ontario to play junior lacrosse. And that is where he truly took off as a lacrosse player. He's doing his master's at Brock. He is entering his pseudo second year with the Philadelphia Wings. And he's also very interested in making sure that he is not the last Haligonian to play in the National Lacrosse League. Along with Jacob McNabb and Austin Stotts, Northern Torch, looks to bring the game to some areas of Canada that don't normally get the attention from camps and pros and players who are in the National Lacrosse League. And the numbers at his camps continue to grow and they continue to surprise him. But that just goes to show that putting the National Lacrosse League in non-traditional markets will inspire the next generation to want to play the game and in the last three years there have been four or five people from Halifax either playing or drafted into the National Lacrosse League it may seem like a small number when you consider six years ago maybe or ten years ago maybe there wasn't anybody from Halifax, or maybe just one, that's a pretty big jump. Now with the Philadelphia Wings, he's being coached by the great Paul Day, former veteran defenseman Ian Rubel, and gets to play with some of the best players in the world. Two of which, who are playing in the PLL Championship Final next weekend. Whose side is Alex Pace on? We'll ask him that and so much more. This is the Halifax Sun, Alex Pace, right here on the Off the Crossbar Podcast. Right now by Alex Pace of the Philadelphia Wings and Northern Torch Lacrosse, a company that is trying to get more and more kids in the Nova Scotia Eastern Seaboard area playing the game. And he's joining us now to chat some lacrosse. Pacer, how are you, brother? Good, man. Appreciate you having me on here again. Yeah, no worries. It's been a while since we last caught up. Uh, Obviously, uh, COVID has kind of kept you busy slash not busy. But um, the one question I kind of always ask, guys, is as we get closer and closer to the season, um, how have you done personally trying to just keep yourself in shape? Because there's no real way to to mimic gameplay or anything like that, especially during a pandemic. You can go to the gym all you want. But mentally and physically, how are you kind of keeping yourself in shape?
2: Yeah, I mean, I definitely be, uh, if I'm being 100% honest, it's been a tough off season, you know, it's kind of went in waves, you know, in Canada, we've had different lockdowns, you're in the gym, you're out of the gym. So, you know, um, it's been tough for sure. But, you know, now I'm back in St. Catharines here and, um, you know, I'm back playing at Brock, so getting some game like action and, you know, um, just such a hotbed here in St. Catharines, like, even last night, we were playing, you know, we just, have 20 guys that are in the region and we got you know tons of pro guys we got you know kyle matisse dan coates cory small like all these guys just around st Catharines, and you know i think that sort of reminds you why you why you came here originally and uh it's just i i feel just super motivated right now with the season right around the corner and honestly it feels like uh i just got drafted again you know that's how that's my mentality going into this so I'm um, super amped and just super ready to get back at it
0: that's a pretty talented pickup game you guys had there
2: yeah it's crazy man you know that I could go on and on about the guys was, you know it's unbelievable
0: um, you're originally a Nova Scotia guy we're gonna get into that but um, you mentioned St. Catharines and you know the the double blue won the OJLL title this year in their shortened season uh, I saw you tweeting about that and real proud of the guys but um, how special was your time, uh, with St. Catherine's, uh, when you first came out?
2: Yeah, it was unbelievable for me. You know, it was, it was life-changing for sure. You know, um, growing up in Halifax, playing lacrosse out there, uh, there wasn't a ton of guys that, that left and got to play junior A in Ontario. And, um, you know, I played one year junior in Halifax and then got asked to, um, Sean Allen brought me out to St. Catherine's and gave me that opportunity. And, you know, it was un- unbelievable. Great group of guys, great city, you know, the city really supports the team and, and you quickly learn about all the history and all the guys who've come through the program. And, you know, like I said, it's 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 a hotbed for lacrosse. And, um, you know, even just like I said about having that that pickup game with all the guys and all the guys even my age that are around, you know, Latrell Harris, Tyson Bell, Holden Garland, Jeff Wittig you know, we're playing pickup with these guys, you know, every other day like backyard lacks you know it's just you're surrounded by the best guys the best coaches and you know it, it changed my life and changed my career
0: um you mentioned playing a year of junior in Halifax how much lacrosse was there uh when you were sort of in your junior years or in your early years of of minor lacrosse
2: you know there was always like five or six teams you know the lacrosse in uh, Halifax it's or Nova Scotia it's really just uh the Halifax area Mm -hmm. outside of that. There's not a whole lot, but you know, our junior league, I think has six teams, but you know, we, we would take an all-star team and they would go to founders. Right. So that's really the level that we're at out there. So coming up to play junior a was a a massive step up and, you know, I was an offensive guy in Halifax. And um, when I came here, I quickly learned, you know, uh, we play it a little different in Ontario. So, I just sort of took some time and found my role as a defender and then uh, just accepted that role and and soaked it in.
0: You mentioned uh, the last time we talked how important Chet Kinesny was in in helping you kind of grow your game and get to the next level. He has done an incredible amount of work with Nova Scotia lacrosse and now you're starting to do with it. How important is it for guys like you to now go back and start helping those younger kids who are the next wave?
2: Yeah, that's everything, man. You know, like, like uh, we talked about before Chet was one of the first guys to really open that door to go in Ontario and even, you know, make that an option. Like there's probably guys before me who could have done it and they just didn't know. And, and without Chet, I wouldn't have known either. So I think then now obviously being a guy who's done it and, uh, you know, has shown these guys the path, I think it's it means everything to me to go back there and try and help these next group of kids and it feels great personally to be one of those trailblazers coming out of nova scotia but with that comes you have to give back and and you know that's something i'm really passionate about and uh you know northern torch has given me the giving me the platform and and a way to do that properly
0: um you kind of got screwed out of playing a home game in your hometown because of covid um how excited is it going to be and how awesome is it going to be when that moment finally comes?
2: Yeah, that one still uh, keeps me up at night. I think, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was the last regular season game of my first season, the NLL and Halifax's first season. And, yeah. you know, it was going to be a Saturday afternoon game in April probably would have been quite a good time after and uh, tons of family, you know, I, everyone I run into at home was saying, Oh, we are going to go to your game. We're going to go to your game. We to to your game. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think, that, that that moment's gonna happen and I'm looking forward to that and uh it's gonna be pretty special when it happens for
0: sure um you mentioned Northern Torch uh it's a company that you've kind of kicked off to to help grow the game um uh Jacob McNabb's there Audie Stotts is helping you out um it been received um h- how are the kids enjoying it yeah,
2: it's been great man like honestly uh you know we started it up uh Naber actually came to me with the idea you know we're really good buddies we played junior together live together um so uh, he's one of my best friends and he came to me with the idea and said, hey, let's start this. And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm all about it. And uh, we kind of just jumped right into it. And, um, you know, I've learned so much. Um, you just learn things that, you know, you wouldn't have to do when you're running a, a business or a lacrosse program. You learn so much. And uh, yeah, it started out last March. We did a camp in Owen Sound, had a really good turnout there. I think we had like 65, 70 kids. That's where NAB from. So, you know, another smaller market, although they're in the Ontario loop, they're, you know, three hours from Toronto. So um, still a smaller market. And then, you know, our goal, obviously for me, my number one spot was to bring it to Halifax. And, you know, maybe in a normal year, I wouldn't have been there. I'd be playing senior A here in in Ontario. So uh, the COVID year actually kind of helped us in that sense. I was home for the summer. I was coaching a local U-14 team, I was coaching a local junior A team, I was really involved in lacrosse at home. And then uh, I we flew NABRA down, stayed with me for the week, we organized the camp, we had 80 kids, which was like, wow. you know, well over what we were expecting. And, you know, like I said, when I was growing up, we never had pros doing camps, like that wasn't a thing. You know, I tell people, I, I honestly don't think I even knew what the NL was until I was like 15. Like, you know, it wasn't really on TV, like the odd game was on TSN. I might've known the Toronto rock. That was it. I right. couldn't teams. And so now these kids have the Thunderbirds, right. They're they're starting to learn about the game, how it should be played. And then for us to go in there and, and make real connection with connections with these kids and teach them the game, you know, it's uh, it's going to pay off. And uh, yeah, it's something I love to do.
0: Do you notice a lot of kind of bad, ha- bad hockey habits in some of these kids? uh that you kind of have to break because obviously hockey is king out there and trying to get them to you know get from the stick on the ice to the stick up in the air and cross check and all that stuff there's probably some bad habits you have to to break but you know uh, these kids are obviously learning so how quickly are they to kind of accept that that the the habit breaking
2: yeah i mean i think what i always tell people about the lacrosse out there it's like you know if you look around at the guys that have come out of exposure for hockey you know you got crosby mckinnon Marchand, like these are some of the best athletes in the whole world like we have legitimate athletes you know we just don't really have that coaching level we don't have that knowledge of the game that's where we're lacking and there's guys you know coming up now brett draper drafted mm-hmm. by the thunderbirds jordan mckenna you know uh brian huey was at thunderbirds camp there are guys there they just need the exposure and they need the the high level coaching so Um, you know, when it comes to the habits, yeah, you're going to get that. I'd say it's mostly because you have a hockey dad that's coached these guys the whole life, you know, on the penalty kill that (laughs) they're icing the ball. (laughs) Just things like that, you know, even with my U14 team, I was trying to coach them, you know, the best of my ability in the right way. And, you know, we're pulling the goal. You know, we, we had my U14 team. uh, I think we went two and eight. Or something like that so we struggled a bit but our improvement over the year was was phenomenal and you know i was we'd be down eight nothing and we'd get a possession with 20 left i'm i'm pulling the goalie calling a timeout drawing up a play because those are the things no one
0: people no one looking, usually does yeah
2: people are looking around why are you pulling the goalie why are you calling a timeout you know so i'm trying to show everyone that and yeah and those are the things that you have to do
0: um how many kids in your team want to be you know the next graham Hossick and the next cody jameson like just enthralled with the thunderbirds and the fact that they have pro lacrosse there now
2: yeah pretty much pretty much all of them honestly <laughs> all of them that all of them that take it serious and all of them that were there for everything yeah they love you know they a lot of them have season tickets and they know all the guys and that was the thing i was doing small training small group training with uh, some of them too and you know i'm teaching them the twister and things like that and I'm saying you know Cody Jameson has one of the best twisters in lacrosse and like watch him the next time that you're at a game watch how he uses it and showing them things like that and you know that's how you really connect with them and and that's what's going to get them more into the game right you know I know I didn't learn about a twister till I came up here to play junior a yeah you know, I'm pissed off I'm like how haven't I learned it? <laughs> you know I felt disadvantaged so right. yeah yeah give that opportunity to kids it's it's great and those are the things that we really tried to pass on to them
0: um wing bowl 2021 um who are you on team blaze or team rambo for the plo finals
2: um you know it's uh it's tough these both those guys have been on such an incredible run in the plo you know blaze is just blaze is just you know heads and tails above any goalie right now and and rambo you know same old thing guys just a winner but you know i'd like to see blaze get one here you know rambo's already got two so he can he can spare a third ring
1: <laughs>
2: i'd like to see blaze get one and and a lot of the canadian guys on the chaos you know yeah. I'm kind of a chaos fan low-key so
0: yeah um how have you enjoyed playing for coach paul day um i had him in my first two years in rochester uh, he was my coach with the edmonton rush um just an incredible person both on and off the floor um but so many people just speak volumes of what he's like as a coach. How have you enjoyed playing for? Him?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've talked about Paul before and I you know, he's he's the top of the top when it comes to lacrosse coaching and knowledge. And, you know, I've been a guy my whole career that really tries to learn every time I'm around these guys. And obviously coming from Nova Scotia, that's what you have to do, right? You have to be able to adapt and and learn from the guys who, you know, know so much about the game. And and as soon as I started talking to to Paul Day you just realize how much this guy knows and how he's really one of the smartest people in the whole world when it comes to lacrosse and you know I just feel so lucky to be playing for a coach like that and uh, you know he has a lot of confidence in me and I just want to be the best player I can be for him.
0: As you've kind of adapted to the box game and to the NLL do you feel more comfortable at the front or more comfortable at the back?
2: Uh, you know, I've been uh, ever since junior. You know, I've been uh, like I think probably my second year junior, I've been pretty much a D guy, and and I'm comfortable there. You know, these old guys are so talented. Like like I said, I didn't I didn't learn how to shoot a twister until second year junior a in Ontario, and the goalies are so good, right? Like you have to be able to pick a piece of the mesh out, and so that's what made me realize, okay, if I really want to make the NOL, and this is a goal of mine. I should probably be a defender because A, there's more of them. There's more spots and B, you know, I have other skills that can translate defensively and make me have an impact. And that's sort of how it started for me. You know, I was a, I was playing offensive junior A, but I was, you know, swinging the ball and setting picks and, you know, that's fine. There's a role for guys like that, but that wasn't really a path. I saw to the NLL and, you know, I played, I played hockey my whole life and I was a defenseman in hockey. And a lot of the things defensively just, I had instincts defensively from hockey that just translated, you know, gap control, like being in lanes, things like that just came naturally to me. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty athletic guy. So, uh, defense really, um, just, it, I was just comfortable.
0: What does it mean to, to you to be a, a professional cross player? It
2: means a lot, man, especially being a guy that came from Nova Scotia. And, you know, there's like, obviously Chet came uh, before me and then, uh, Dan Fink as well before back in the day, but, you know, growing up, uh, it was like, it was like a long shot goal. Like, obviously I told you, I didn't even really know what it was. I just loved playing lacrosse so much. You know, I just was always had the stick in my hand. I was always taking shots on my net, you know? Um, So then to actually realize what I can do with lacrosse, where it can take me and all the opportunity that it's given me, it's like every day, it's a dream come true. I just miss it so much
0: um obviously being a part of northern torch and getting sticks in kids hands is everything um but november is going to be a good thing for all of us it's been 19 almost 20 months now since we've all played um are you looking forward to camp are you looking forward to getting back at it
2: yeah so much man like even we've had two practices here at brock and it's like the energy's so good at practice everyone's just so happy to be back around all the boys and you know everyone's working hard and like just such high intensity because everyone's been off right and I know that's going to be exactly what it's like at, at uh, camp and I think it's going to be really good lacrosse even though everyone's been off I think everyone's just chomping at the bit so yeah I'm pumped
0: you, you talk about you know Halifax fans you talk about Toronto Rock fans but Philadelphia fans are some of the best in the league um, how, how impressed were you with, with that fan base getting to experience at first chance
2: yeah, they were awesome, man. The place was packed every, every game and, you know, they're super loud. Like, I think they get louder when you lay a big hit or there's a fight than, than a goal, but yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, you know, you really can't imagine playing in front of a crowd like that and, and people like that until you get out there and experience it. And, you know, I think just having that taste, you know, I played 13 games and, uh, it just made me so much hungrier and so it's been difficult to time off but once it's back I'm I'm just gonna for sure soak it all in
0: yeah you're entering your pseudo second year or year 1.5 whatever you want to call it um you're also gonna have a couple rookie draft classes coming in this Philadelphia Wings team is going to be ready to go from the jump how impressed are you with with the bodies and the and the names that are coming into camp this year
2: yeah, it's going to be awesome to see, man. It's going to be a little different than uh, the team that we had there before, but, you know, we brought in some huge names like Ben McIntosh, just firms up our right side so much. And, um, you know, uh, Corey Small on the left side, you know, our offense is going to be fully revamped. And then we got Sorensen and uh, ran again on defense, a couple big bodies and, uh, you know, Subach drafted and, you know, some other draft picks. So, yeah, it's going to be, you know, everyone going to be fighting for spots and, uh, you know, I think uh, guys are going to be ready to compete, but I think we're going to have quite a good squad, and I just can't wait to get with all the guys.
0: Um, you are at Brock. You're finishing your studies. Uh, how are they going, and are we going to graduate on time? Yeah, I'm doing. A, I'm doing a master's of science, applied
2: oh, health gosh. science. So I'm in my second year. Um, it's a two-year program, so I should graduate in April uh, if the research goes well. I'm, I'm doing a thesis, so um, sort of you kind of have to. You're waiting on other people for the research and stuff but yeah it's been going good i was working on it all summer so wasn't the most exciting summer but uh (laughs) i'm about three chapters in so like 35 pages so it's uh yeah it's a lot of work but it's uh it's good
0: what's your thesis on is it anything we're going to understand
2: yeah it's uh it's health economics so there's a telemedicine program at the niagara or the mcmaster children's hospital and basically when uh Pediatrics, um, they need to do pediatric resuscitation at the Niagara hospitals and St. Catherine's well, and, McMaster video calls in and, um, tells them how to stabilize the the kid or if they need to transfer them and, uh, they can respond in three to five minutes. So it's quick. And, um, we're looking at all the costs associated with that.
0: Crazy.
2: Yeah. Is is that, is
0: that kind of like, um, a standard practice to, to have that, or is that something new?
2: uh the telemedicine yeah that's sort of it's relatively new um you know it's kind of been taken over the last decade because like if basically the reason that they have it is because they don't have pediatric specialists in niagara so they can call in with their specialists and basically maximize the number of specialists they have but um for these programs to be implemented uh you know more widespread you need to know a, is it clinically effective? So there's a primary study another master students doing on the clinical outcomes, you know, does it save lives to, you know, reduce transfers, but you also need to know if it's cost effective. So that's where, uh, that's where my study comes in.
0: Oh, best of luck with that, man. It sounds incredibly interesting and hopefully it, it kind of leads to some bigger and better things for you. Um, one last thing, Northern Touch, um, what's next for you guys? or sorry, Northern Torch, Northern Touch. That's a great song by the Rascals. Um, uh, Northern Torch, what's next for you guys?
2: Yeah, so, you know, we did three camps this summer. We were in Sound twice and uh, uh, Halifax once. So uh, I think the off season, we'll look at, uh, you know, just planning next summer and hopefully next summer, we're going to go like all over uh, Ontario and, and back out east. We want to do a whole tour of the Maritimes. We want to do, you know, PEI, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, all those, you know, we found that the smaller markets, you know, where people aren't necessarily going, that's sort of uh, the spots that we've had success because, uh, you know, pros don't go there. And and myself and Navar, you know, obviously they have some pro guys from Owen Sound, but, you know, it's sort of a smaller area. So, yeah. um, you know, we recognize what it takes to come out of an area like that and that there are kids from those areas that um, could be playing at the next level and 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 want to play at the next level so we want to be that sort of bridge for those kids and so that's our goal just finding our next spots and yet yeah, next summer is going to be huge for us
0: you are a pioneer yeah, my I friend are. you are indeed carrying the torch i appreciate the time pacer uh best luck and and hopefully uh wings camp gets off uh, very soon without a hitch buddy appreciate the time
2: yeah thanks a lot man
0: look forward to it and uh, i'll see you again soon update on the U.S. Open semifinals. Uh, Zabarenko won the second set 6-4. So it's uh, now off to the third and final set against the young Canadian. Um, that's Alex Pace. And I really enjoy talking to the younger players in this league who still have great respect for where they've come from, where they're headed, and how they need to get there. And obviously, obviously, taking your master's and doing your master's and working on a currently 35-page thesis um, all while trying to be a professional athlete cannot be easy. And at the same time, trying to give back to local communities, your hometown, other areas, and help the next generation just speaks volumes of the type of person that they are. And we're seeing more and more of young men like that enter the National Crossing. And it's just very refreshing. And it's also awesome to see that, you know, kids understand in certain areas that if you want to be the best you can be, you need to leave the nest and go somewhere else. Go somewhere that's going to challenge you. Go somewhere that's going to ha- make you commit to having to be the best you can be. And taking that next step to go play, you know, junior B somewhere or go play junior A somewhere to challenge yourself. And we've seen it with kids from Alberta and Manitoba and Saskatchewan. And we've obviously seen it from ki- with kids from the Maritimes. And as it continues to grow out east, especially with the excitement level surrounding the Halifax Thunderbirds, there's going to be more and more kids. They come from the Maritimes that are unbelievable athletes that excel at lacrosse and need to go somewhere else to take their game to the next level. Because you heard them, you know. The types of hockey players that have come out of Halifax in the last decade are through the roof. If you could convince 5% of those kids that think hockey is the way out, put a lacrosse stick in their hand and let them know that this might be a better route, or one that's better for them, you will exponentially grow the number of kids playing the game of lacrosse in your area, especially out east. So shout out to Northern Torch. You can check out their website um, for more information. Um, And shout out to Alex for just doing the do, man. Uh, That is not an easy thing to do, to be a student, to be an athlete, to be professional, to be a coach, and to be doing your master's all at the same time. It's a lot of work, a lot, a lot of work. Um, But we talk about kids stepping out of their comfort zone, going to places that feel comfortable. Well, when you look at the Arena Lacrosse League, it has given more kids a chance to play the game, to keep their sticks sharp, keep their mind sharp, learn the NLL rules. And it has started to become what we all feel that the National Lacrosse League needs is a feeder league slash farm system and over the past six years now i think that the all has been a thing the number of players that have either started there and gone on to the nll who have started and didn't even finish in the all went right to the nll um grows every year and You know, I think the name that sticks out, I think Damon Edwards started in the ALL, and next thing you know, boom, he's just an absolute star in the National Lacrosse League. Um, There have been a lot of bodies that have spent games in the ALL, weeks, months, years, trying to get to the NLL or get back to the NLL again. And we need that because we can't have teams that only have, you know, four practice roster spots. It can only have under 30 guys, like 25 guys I think we're at. And that leaves a lot of guys just sitting doing nothing. And while the ALL has had success in Ontario, there hasn't really been anything out here in BC that have given the hundreds of guys in this area that need to keep sharp and stay in shape but have nothing to do. We haven't had that. Well, today, Paul St. John, the Arena Lacrosse League, and the Langley Event Center announced a partnership that will see ALL West be a thing this year. It'll be four teams. They'll play NLL rules, and it'll run along the same time as the NLL National Lacrosse League. And I think it is long overdue. You know, it's. Still going to suck for the island guys to have to travel every weekend to get over there if they're going to play in, in that league, understandably. But for all those guys on the mainland, maybe even some Alberta guys who can make it work with their schedules will now have a place to play during the winter to try and not only get the eyes of an NLL team, but just make sure that they're continually progressing with NLL rules, the speed of the game, and staying at the peak of their ability. So we'll have Paul St. John on the show next week um, to talk about this announcement, what their plans are, how they expect to do it, you know, how it's all going to work. But that was a pretty big announcement coming, you know, on the heels of the Calgary announcement that um, that kind of made waves for everybody in the lacrosse world. But the ALL coming West and starting an ALL West is exactly what was needed at this time because the amount of kids that you know with these two draft classes coming in the amount of kids that are going to be out of a spot just purely based on numbers not because they can't hack it but purely based on numbers that aren't going to be playing are going to need a place to play and the langley event center is the perfect place to do it they have the field house it has the turf down it has all the NLL lines on it. It just makes sense. I saw someone, you know, wondering if this is something that they should, you know, expand more than just the Lower Mainland and Langley and put a team in Chilliwack and up in Vernon and on the island and in Nanaimo. Yeah, that would be great. But again, cost is a massive thing when you're trying to run a league. And not only would that be a lot of travel for guys, but getting all those turfs would be another. Because you can't say you're playing NLL rules, but then be playing on concrete. Just doesn't make sense. And turfs are, you know, low ball 30K, I think. So it's asking a lot. So to have it in one spot, the Langley Event Center, which is pretty central for most of the players on the mainland, made sense. So... Again, we'll talk to Paul St. John next week, but this is um, a great next step in keeping kids playing or keeping the guys, because they're not kids anymore, keeping these guys playing lacrosse at a high level during the NLL season. So, you know, with and this is the thing. With the expanded draft classes that are coming in, like I said, there's going to be a lot of guys who not based purely on skill, but just because of numbers aren't going to have a spot. So the fact that they can, you know, designate them to say, hey, we want you to go play in the ALL West or let's go put you in the ALL East um, is huge. Because, you know, they can keep an eye on these kids and they can see how they're progressing. And if an injury happens, they don't have to go, teams don't have to go and get a street free agent. They can go get one of their prospects or products that's down in the AL. Sure, they wouldn't be their property anymore. They'd be free agents and anybody could sign them. But maybe... Maybe, down the road, teams can protect players on their draft list, which I know they already can, but maybe they can protect more guys on their draft list, assign them to the ALL, like signing a hockey player to the AHL would, and use it as a farm system. You don't have to assign them to a certain team because we wouldn't, each team wouldn't have their own farm system. But at least you could say, hey, we're going to assign you to the ALL. You're still our property. We can bring you up and down if needed. Maybe that's where we where this thing kind of ends up going. But we'll see. Um, before we get to Micah Kersey um, and of the Halifax Thunderbirds, um, if you saw the release or you checked the NLL transaction wire, um, you saw, and I mentioned this last week when we talked about Chris Fake, that there would be more names coming. And literally after the podcast went live, the NLL put this out that eight players were deemed ineligible due to NCAA violation specifications rulings: Mason Kaminga, Graydon Susie Jerry Stotts, Cam Badur, Chris Fake, Jeff Trainer, Kyle Bear, and Kyle Gallagher. Reasons are one of three. These players com- completed four seasons of NCAA after the NCAA spring 2020. As such, they are street free agents and may sign with any club. So that is Jeff Trainer, Kyle Gallagher, and Graydon Soucy. Uh, these players have yet to complete four seasons of NCAA lacrosse and did not renounce their eligibility. They are not eligible to be signed by any club. That includes Mason Kaminga, Cam and Jerry Stotts. And then finally, the third category, the player completed three seasons of NCAA lacrosse, but was not enrolled at the Ivy League school in the spring of 2021. As such, he is not eligible. And that would be Chris Fake. That was also the reason that Zavitz wasn't going to be eligible because he was not enrolled in his Ivy League school during the 2021 spring so if you listen to lacrosse classified with jake and jamie dowick who's been co hosting the last few weeks um jake asked jamie this and jamie being uh, an an NLGM had some thoughts about it and he brought up the fact that he was adamant that when the league was talking about granting the extra year due to covid that it was going to cause a bit of a shitstorm and I believe it happened last year where someone was drafted and they were ineligible due to the COVID rulings. And Jamie said during his talk with Jake that it's on the general managers to do their homework and it's on the owners to make sure the general managers do their homework. And he kind of took that back a bit, trying not to, you know, blame everybody. However, yes, it is on the general managers to do their homework and do their due diligence to make sure guys are eligible. But do you know how many guys every year are technically eligible for the national Cross league draft? It's hundreds. When you take into account the number of players at Canadian colleges that don't have NCAA requirements. And then you add on top of that, the number of players at American colleges that have finished their NCAA eligibility. That's a big list. Now you add in the factor of trying to understand if a guy has a red shirt freshman year. So if he's got an extra year of eligibility, if he was given a COVID year, does he get an extra year of eligibility? The parameters now are growing and we're going to have two more years of this. And Because it's not an opt-in draft, it's hard to keep everything square. And the other thing is, is there's not a central scouting department. And it may sound easy, and I'm kind of of the mind that maybe it is easy, but if you truly did have one person or a team of four people, three people to solely focus their attention on kids that aren't in the National Lacrosse League but are in college and junior lacrosse and keep that updated and give that data and information to the NLL GMs and to the media, even to the fans, when it comes to draft time, I think it just brings another level of to what we are doing. I completely understand a central scouting department would not be cheap. I get that. However, there has to be a way for us to create some sort of database that has this information accurately so that we don't get to a point where eight players are ruled ineligible. No matter where they were selected, first round, sixth round, you shouldn't have this situation. And I knew it was coming. It was bound to happen. And Jamie Dowick said the exact same thing. As soon as we started granting the COVID years, it would get confusing. And it's not a fault of the general managers. Because they have enough going on that they shouldn't be the ones calling a school and saying, excuse me, is this guy finished his NCAA eligibility. It shouldn't be on them. So... There needs to be some sort of database so that we can avoid situations like these because when you have eight players ineligible, nearly a tenth of your draft, that's not a good look. It's not. It's not. Um, On that Saturday night, the Halifax Thunderbirds did fall victim to that situation. I didn't want to ask Mike about it because sure he's pretty steamed up about it however we did talk about some of the other guys that they picked in that draft especially one guy who was pretty darn excited to hear his name called by the Thunderbirds we talk fishing we talk draft we talk the nest and we talk cyborg all right here with Micah Kersey head coach of the Halifax Thunderbirds on OTCB Joined now by the man they call No Mercy, Mike Kersey, head coach of the Halifax Thunderbirds here on Off the Crossbar. Mike, how are you, brother? Good. How you doing, man? Uh, I cannot complain. Um, you guys were pretty busy over the last little while uh, with signings and the draft and everything that's been going on, leading up to camp. Um, how have you enjoyed your summer? Uh, no lacrosse, really, but uh, yeah, no lacrosse. I mean,
1: we got I got I uh, got to help coach Oakville a little bit in the uh, MSL Classic there, mm-hmm. so. You know, it was good to be behind the bench and, and, and have guys in the locker room again. So so that was good. But I mean, really, over the summer, just been uh, doing a lot of fishing and a lot of relaxing.
0: Um, we'll get to that fishing in a minute. But um, for, for a sport that hasn't really had many live events since COVID started, um, how impressed were you with the shape guys were in and the talent that was on the floor during the MSL Classic?
1: Uh, it was really good. I mean, it definitely was rusty. Um, but the guy's fitness was, was impressive. I mean, if not playing lacrosse for, you know, almost two years and coming out and performing the way they did, it was impressive to see that. And it was a lot, it was great to see a lot of young guys. A lot of the older guys decided not to play, which I thought was a good thing. And, uh, you know, see all the young talent that's coming up, uh, in the next few years, it was a really good experience for me as a coach to be able to kind of get the pulse of what these kids are all about. So it was nice to see that.
0: Were you a little rusty behind the bench yourself?
1: I was. I caught myself watching the game instead of coaching the game a little bit there. I was like, oh, shoot, I got to be doing something here. But uh, yeah, no, it's definitely, it takes some time to get back into it, right? So I'm excited to get back to training camp and get back to normal.
0: Um, You mentioned, you know, some of the older guys taking time off, not playing the MSO Classic. Um, And I know a lot of people ask this, and this might be some of where we end up going down the road, but... Do you think there's going to be a time where the
1: MSL and WLA are, are without NLL pro players? I think so. I think, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I Mm -hmm. think guys, you see guys that play year round and when the toll it takes on your body, I know you did it. I mean, I did it for a long time. It's a grind, especially when you get laid into playoffs and you're into the man cup and, And then three weeks later you're back in training camp for the nll like and now these guys are playing the pll too like there's only just so much your body can handle so i think removing those guys i think one at levels of playing field a little bit you've got so much good young talent that's coming out of junior uh these last you know two years where are they going to play next year Mm -hmm. all the veterans come back they load their teams up now all of a sudden we've got all these young guys playing senior B playing senior C or not playing at all. So that doesn't benefit us as a lacrosse community at all. So I'd like to see something done where uh, it gives more opportunity for these young cats to showcase themselves for coaches like myself that are out there watching.
0: Um, the young cats coming in the league are getting better and better every year. Uh, you and your staff were down in Jacksonville hosted by your owner, Kurt Stiers at his palatial palace down there. How fun was that?
1: Uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was nice to, to see some of, some of the American guys that, uh, you know, John Calano, uh, Charlie Ragusa, I haven't seen those guys in almost two years. So, mm. you know, to go down there, see those guys, it was, it was refreshing to kind of get back together as a group and start talking lacrosse and talking all things, Halifax. So, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. We had a great time.
0: Uh, you guys got out on the boat. Uh, who was, how was Billy D as a fisherman?
1: Well, I, I'm glad he was in the other boat. Um, I, I think I had a, a better crew of guys as far as wanting to fish. Um, but yeah, no, Billy's always a good time, right? Yeah. He, he's just a, such a such a great guy. And, uh, you know, I think he slept a little bit on the boat. You know, he caught a few things. Like, he didn't really do too much, but... Yeah, I know he enjoys himself and, you know, he's a, he's a fun guy to have around. For
0: sure. Um, it, it's a special moment. when You can get the full staff together, like you said, and, and talk everything. But when, when you guys turned the switch on and went into that war room and started focusing on the draft, did you guys have a pretty steady plan set in place or did things kind of change as the draft went on? <sighs>
1: It was a tough draft to read i mean uh, we had met several times before over the summer we met after the weekends of the junior series we met after some of the msl games you know we had a really good plan of where we thought things would kind of work out um so i think the some of the some of the team's choices ahead of us changed a little bit of the draft Mm -hmm. and where we thought the guy that maybe we would have landed with might have been different um but i mean we got we got great picks i think that add a lot of depth to our team so uh yeah i mean it's it's fun that's what's exciting about the draft you never know when you're trying to put feelers out what are you taking you know what are you doing um but it's always a little bit of a chess match with some teams so it was uh it was good draft for us
0: um there were rumblings that you guys were trying to trade up how how true were those rumblings
1: uh we had inquired about it but again you know price tag was pretty high for yeah. us to to get into that position and uh, you know we also look at next year's draft is loaded and, and we got two first rounds next year so um so we, we didn't feel the need that it was an emergency situation where we needed to bump up it would have been nice to bump up into that top six spot and get one of those guys but um also we were we were comfortable where we with that you know where we are right now as a team and where we were at in the draft
0: yeah, I was doing my next question. You guys are pretty set right now. You've you sort of been drafting for a year down the road, two years down the road. Mm-hmm. Oh, with those last couple of draft picks, um, how set do you think you guys are? are? Are you in win now mode?
1: I think we're 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 poised for success for sure. I mean, I definitely think we want to win, and mm-hmm. and we I think we've got a good team that that has the capabilities of doing that. You know, again, you know, the success that you had a year and a half ago is not the success you're going to have in the future. So, you know, you really can't look back and say, oh, yeah, this is the team that's going to bring us to the finals. We know we need to constantly find to that guys are two years older, you know, guys that haven't played in two years. You know, what are they going to look like? So um, we definitely feel comfortable where, where we are. We feel comfortable with the guys that we're bringing into the organization and we're continuing to draft for the future when those older guys decide to to hang it up so you know the doing the draft where you're drafting kids that are still going back to school really uh makes you plan a lot different for drafts right because sometimes you pick a guy that's not going to play because that's what you need for next year and not necessarily what you need for right now and with expansion on the horizon with vegas you don't want to draft a guy and then lose a guy so you really kind of have to. It is a, is very much. It was it was a lot harder to plan for a draft like this than it is in in the past.
0: Uh, add the fact that there wasn't a lot of scout tape and you weren't able to watch these guys. How difficult did it make it? Um, much like last year, you know, and this year, and it's going to be the same probably for you know the next couple of years as we get down the COVID you know draft years. Um, how tough was it the last couple of years to, to scout these kids without? really much lacrosse to watch on them.
1: It is hard. I mean, you really put a lot of faith and rely a lot on uh, the guys you have scouting for you, your friends that are in the lacrosse community, guys on the West Coast that I know that I've reached out to to talk to them about players that we're interested in. So you really have to, without not having that tape, you really got to rely on those guys to give you good quality information and, and trust that the information they're giving you is correct. Obviously, some of them, you know, some of them you've seen, you know, you can always try and pull some college film and things like that. But, you know, you get them in a box situation that they haven't been in in two years. Lots can change in two years. You know, bodies change, the shapes change, their abilities change, everything changes. So um, we know what happens after two years. <laughs>
0: lot, right? so. um, it's not often you guys go west uh, for draft picks, especially early on. Um, mm-hmm. What lured you to Max Wilson so much that that he was your guy at 12?
1: Um, I think it was that uh, again we we have some areas of that we need for future of depth Um, you know we have some older defenders that are really good right now how they're going to be a year or two down the road Um, they might be done right so we have to make sure that we're backfilling that so we want to backfill that with the quality players that we can get and at that position um, he was the best quality player that we could get at that position. So that's how we decided to draft the, him at that position where guys might've seen him maybe in the second round. Um, but again, when you're looking at a defender and elite defender, I think max fits all, all the molds that you need to be successful in this league. So that's why we him
0: there. And, uh, he was pretty excited. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I
1: think the, you know, when you do it in a draft in a a really formal setting, like we've done in the past, whether it be Toronto Rock Centre in Philadelphia, you know, guys are pretty reserved and, you know, they're just around the other players. So they don't want to jump up and scream. And, you know, it's like a lot more reserved. Mm -hmm. Um, So to see a reaction like he had, you know, with his dad and with his friends, like it really priceless. Like you couldn't have really, I I don't even know how to put it into words. It was, for me, it was a special moment to see a guy, Who's worked really hard to get to that level and to be that excited about getting drafted to our team i mean you look at even some of the other picks top 10 picks guys get drafted and they're like yeah thanks you know it was great you know max is jumping up and down and <laughs> screaming so again uh the energy that he brings to the field is something that we're excited to
0: have. yeah i've known max for the last few years with the junior shamrocks and he and i were talking on a weekly basis about teams that he's talked to and news that's coming out. And um, I know that he is very, very thrilled to be heading to you guys. And I know you guys are going to be thrilled with him once you get him. Um, The other guy he took in the second round, Drew Hutchinson, the goaltender. um, is Is he a project or is he a guy that you can kind of see sliding in right away?
1: Uh, he's a project i mean he, he, i think goalies are you know i've said it before goalies don't really mature until they get older and, yeah. and and further into their career but you always have to have something in your bank that you can bring along with you and, and that's not to say that something's going to happen down the road and he gets picked in expansion or you know we lose him to something else but you need to have a good young goalie that you're bringing up you know we drafted nick Demude a few years ago we lost lost him um into free agency when when he didn't get protected so you didn't you don't want to do that you need to always have a young goalie to bring up and having a guy like warren hill who is so calm and composed you know helping him get settled and get to that point where he can be a starter in this league i think that's a few years away and i would Mm -hmm. agree that most good goalies don't mature till late 20s so you know give him some time give him a, a team that that can help him develop And uh, I think he'll be successful in this league.
0: Um, We we talked about your previous draft class, uh, the two big stars, Ethan Riggs and Ryan Tarafenko. Um, Those guys are still very green, especially Ryan when he comes into this league. Um, Mm -hmm. But how excited are you to add two incredible athletes to your roster?
1: I'm excited about those two guys. I mean, yeah. uh, again, Riggs was the best guy at that position, at a position that we felt that we could get at that point. So, you know, again, we drafted a big, strong uh, athletic defender, something that we we really like on our team. And I think Chair Fanko, for me, from my from my point of view, he was the steal of last year's draft. I think uh, guys probably thought, oh, we'll grab him a little later. um and, and we knew, You know what his abilities were what his qualities were as an individual um so we wanted to grab him as soon as we could so i'm grab i'm really excited to see what ryan can bring to the box game you know if you watch him in the pll i mean the guy's a stud so Um, I, he's excited to play box across. We're excited to to get him into our roster. Get him again. You're going to learn from the best. You're going to learn from Haas and Wiz and Soupy and, and guys like that. I mean, you can't ask for better teachers and mentors than than those guys. So, uh, to have him with that exposure and with all his athleticism. I think he's going to be a stud.
0: Do you have coach Myers from Ohio state on retainer or what's yeah, the deal I've,
1: I've got him on speed dial. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, Ohio state, they do a really good job of recruiting to their, to their program. And they, they put out a lot of good guys. I mean, you look at the guys that have come out of Ohio state in the last five years. I mean, it's, it's impressive. And um, they play a great style down there. They play, they let their, their players play and play to their strengths. And I think that's what box players always naturally do. Um, so it's good. You get a really good sense of what that player is actually like, because he gives them that freedom to play within themselves.
0: Um, you mentioned Haas and Wiz, uh, recently you guys signed them both to five-year deals. Uh, long-term deals aren't something we see too often mm-hmm. in the National Lacrosse League, especially with expansion and the CBA issues we seem to always have, but how important was it for this organization, for the fan base, for the city of Halifax to have two guys that they can really plan the future around?
1: I think they're, they're both, you know, fairly young guys, and those are going to be cornerstones to our franchise for a long time to come. So to have them want that commitment of five years, you know, guys saying like, I want a long-term deal with you guys for us, that, that, uh, that was exciting because that means they're committed to us and they're committed to our organization and to our fan base. And to have those two guys as pillars on our back end to build and to continue to build around, uh, it leaves me with, you know, a lot of, um, happiness that we're going to have two big studs back there we're going to get great ball possession out of whiz and uh, you know Haas is going to do Haas stuff and uh so it's uh again when you have pillars like that you can't go wrong with long-term deals
0: um is he mvp candidate worthy it's not too often we see d guys get that award um but you have to think that at some point in his career he's going to be in the running
1: I think he should have won it last year to be on like the last year we played to be honest i think in that shortened season um you know i think he had like eight goals he was top on loose balls you know takeaways he caused turnovers he was he was right there not to put what you know what shane did you know to any less of a degree but again, goal scorers are supposed to score goals. You know, when you have a defender that has is doing all of those extra things, it kind of puts you on the cream of the crop. So I think Haas should have been one of the guys for, for MVP for that year. Uh, I think you're going to see him win MVP uh, in this league. And I think you're going to see him win Defender of the Year a lot more times.
0: Um, you've talked about the, the fan base. And I was just talking with Alec Pace um, for the show, and he's doing a lot of work with Chet Kinesny and Northern Torch and building Nova Scotia lacrosse in your time there, um, albeit short, how impressed have you been with the growth of, of lacrosse out there and the willingness of these kids to learn the game and play the game and want to be as best as they can be?
1: I mean, the lacrosse community out there was really small, I think, to start with. I mean, they've always been passionate out there about the sport. That small community has always been passionate um but when you bring something like daniel into a community and you get that extra exposure to what you know what they could reach towards and what they can dream about playing in a hometown uh it definitely adds to the excitement of being a member of the lacrosse community so uh the kids love it out there they just eat up every camp and opportunity they have to improve and i think you're going to see more and more kids get drafted out there they're they're putting together really good programs chet's done a great job out there you know promoting lacrosse and building lacrosse for years and years and years, he's done that. So, um, I think with, you know, Halifax coming in and the commitment we have to the community and the lacrosse community, we're going to continue to see lacrosse grow in leaps and bounds in Nova Scotia.
0: Um, now that we're kind of halfway through September, uh, training camp is right around the corner. Um, most teams are going to start in November. What's your guys plan?
1: Uh, first weekend uh, we're doing the last weekend of October, mm-hmm. and we're uh, first weekend we're going out to Halifax. So oh, nice. we're, we're gonna go out and we're gonna do our camp at the uh, Scotiabank Center in Halifax, and uh, just get back into the community. You know, expose everybody back to the city that they love. Just kind of get them with that feeling of, again of of being back where we had lots of success. So we want to start where we ended. So we ended in Halifax beating Buffalo. We're going to start a training camp in Halifax and build off of that.
0: Um, You're also going to get a rematch of probably the game of the year. Uh, Mm -hmm. December 4th, you guys take on Saskatchewan. Um, Let's go back to that game. How wild was it? Like, it it was easily the craziest game I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, I think it was uh, was a, a wild game. I think we were vastly outplayed in the first half, and I think we... We didn't come ready to play. I mean, we we really we were sitting back, we were making silly mistakes. Everything mistake that we made was was ending up into in our net. Um, and then the second half, I think it was uh the exact opposite. I think SAS kind of sat back and you know, we're trying not to lose instead of continuing to try to win. And we got some momentum and we started getting some extra ball possessions, we got some power plays, um, and right right away we got back into that game. Mm-hmm. So once we got back into there. Um, I think our team's commitment to to fitness and conditioning and the way we practice uh, helped us continue to keep that high level of pace uh, for the rest of the game, get it into OT. I mean, we had, you know, they had thought they scored, it got called back. We thought we scored, it got called back. So both teams at some point were cheering on the floor. Right. So um, it was, uh, it was probably one of the craziest games that I've ever been a part of. And as far as the crowd noise, you know when uh, when Shanksy scored that, that goal to put it in overtime. I don't think. I mean, Calgary. You know when we were championship game in Calgary was super loud. When I was playing the championship game in Buffalo it was super loud. But just like the how how excited the fans were in that arena, and it's a small arena. It was so loud. It was just an exciting environment to be a part of. Uh,
0: it's been. It'll be over twenty months when you guys get started on December fourth. Um, how how much are you looking forward to that moment?
1: I'm really looking forward to getting back to lacrosse. And I think, you know, anybody that's been a part of the lacrosse community or sports community, you, you take it for granted. And I think, you know, you kind of take for granted that it's always gonna be there. It's always gonna be a part of your life. And when you have something like this, you know, with COVID and that is taken away from you, it really leaves a huge deep hole in your lifestyle and what you do and, you know, what your daily routine is. So. You know, I'm excited to to get lacrosse back into my blood, back into my system. You know, feel the energy of the crowd and my team, and um, I, I really miss that. I think that's something that that guys really, really do miss, and I think uh, I'll never take lacrosse and the lacrosse community and the sport ever for granted ever again. It can be uh, taken from you like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know? um, it, it's been a, a wild um, few months. It's been a wild break but yeah. you've become a tiktok star you're an excellent <laughs> angler now yes. uh, and you've got a fantastic young team uh mike appreciate the time as always my man uh december 4th will be here in no time best of luck yeah. to you and your club
1: and we'll talk soon brother nice Teddy. take care
0: lay fernandez up four games to three in the third set of the women's semi Uh, That's Micah Kersey as we give you live updates of the U.S. Open. It won't be live when you hear this. It'll be over. However, Tom Brady also tearing it up for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in game one of the NFL season. Um, Again, that was Micah Kersey, uh, Halifax Thunderbirds head coach. Spent some time with Oakville on the bench during the MSL Classic. And going back to what he said about one day the MSL and WLA will be without NLL players. And that much like a Western division of the ALL is also coming because I just can't see in the future as the league continues to grow that teams are going to be wanting their players playing in the summer leagues. If we get to a point where the season is extended past 18 games and past, you know, December to June. If it starts getting into July, then guys are going to have to start making that decision. If it starts getting into August, they definitely have to start making that decision. But if it gets into August, then there's no way those guys can play. So I think, much like. Having the ALLs of the world um, is important for players to stay sharp during the NLL season. The MSL and WLA and the RMLL will be necessities for players to stay in shape when it's not NLL season, but also for the younger kids to continue to develop and get noticed. And I think it would be great. Yes, you wouldn't have pro lacrosse players playing in your local rinks during the summer. I get that. But you know what? NHL players don't often play in the summer leagues or the winter leagues at your home rinks either. It's got to get to a point where the NLL is the biggest and brightest star on the mountain. In the sky. And that's not a knock on the MSL or WLA. I made this comment about the NLL being the epitome of lacrosse, and I had people from out west coming at me like I was dissing the league that I grew up playing in. It's not even close. The WLA and MSL are essential to the growth of the National Lacrosse League. But the NLL isn't essential for the growth of the WA or MSL. The NLL is professional lacrosse. Canadian Summer League are technically amateur sports that have, A, professionals playing, and B, people getting paid to play. So it's kind of a double standard. And I truly believe at some point we have to get to the point where NLO players are only playing in either the National Lacrosse League or the PLL. And that is what we should all be striving for. That is when we have truly made it as a lacrosse league where our athletes and our professional game are paid even more so like professionals. And playing full seasons and by full seasons I mean longer extended seasons and it's going to happen it has to happen I truly believe it has to happen for the National Lacrosse League to continue to get where it needs to get to 4-4 in the uh, semifinal this Sabaranka girl just will not go away um We've talked Roughnecks. We've talked ALL. Um, we talked uh, draft picks. Signing season continues as we get closer and closer to NLL training camps. And teams are slowly starting to fill out their rosters. Now they kind of understand which draft picks are going to be there, which draft picks aren't, which guys from last year's class are going to be eligible, which ones aren't. Um, but teams are still trying to get some bodies A lot of the rookie class being signed. A lot of them the ones again that are eligible to play this year. Um but some veteran guys that are getting deals. Uh Dean Farrell who had an excellent XLL season um during the past couple weeks months of summer um really put the league on notice and lacrosse world on notice. I think he scored eight and one goal uh or one game. Um he got a a one year deal from Panther City Lacrosse Club. That's huge. Just it gives him a shot, right? And that's what these early contracts, one-year contracts to a lot of guys are going to be. The ones that aren't proven NLL veterans, that one-year deal is basically a proving ground. Gets you to camp, doesn't guarantee you anything, just gets you to a camp. Um, Greg Downing gets a one-year deal with the Firewolves. Massive fan of G Downs. Think he's extremely underrated and one of the best Americans in our league currently. Uh, Zach Greer, one-year deal with San Diego. This one kind of surprises me. Um, and when I've talked at nauseum about it, the fact that you know he lives in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, he's out there. It really made sense, and maybe he wants one more run with the San Diego team. See how his body feels. See if they can go get one, go for a title here in 21-22, and then maybe we see him go to Dallas or go to Panther City Lacrosse Club after that. But. I Honestly, truly, I didn't think he was going to be back in San Diego, but I love the fact that he is because I'm a fast, massive Zach Greer fan and super excited to see him uh, with the Seals this year. Uh, Alex Keto Hill back in the national crossing with the Thunderbirds is awesome. Uh, there's another guy, I just love his game. Fast, athletic, gets up and down the floor. Um, Jeremy Winston plays on the draft list. Graham Hossick, this is the big news of the week becomes the second Thunderbird to get a five-year deal following Jake Withers five-year deal uh, a little while back. And so as we heard from Micah Kersey, getting him signed, getting him back was the center for the stabilization of this franchise and this organization moving forward. It also helps that he's arguably one of the best players in the game right now. overall, all over the floor. He is the most complete NLL player right now. Obviously, he's not the most prolific goal scorer, but he can damn near snipe. Um, but he is arguably the best defender. Uh, he's one of the best transition guys. Arguably one of the best loose ball guys. A ball hawk. One of the most physical, intense guys in the league. And can say in play offense. He is the most well-rounded guy in the National Lacrosse League. He is your new Brody Merrill. And to have him for five years is absolutely incredible for that organization. Um, So congrats to him. Congrats to the Thunderbirds. Um, Just make sure he's sick when, you know, he plays San Diego. Uh, Justin Robinson gets a one-year deal with the Bandits and Britt Manny, uh, a one-year deal with the Firewolves. As always, nll.com slash news slash transactions for more information and with the announcement of the calgary rebrand don't forget that you're going to want to look your best when you get to games this year so what better place than nllshop.com or fanatics.ca to get everything that you want the albany firewolves gear is in there the new Calgary roughneck gear is in there everything you could want from shirts hats hoodies is there And with camps coming up, games coming up, Christmas coming up, you're going to want to make sure that you have all the best logo that you possibly could. Again, for all of us up here in Canada, fanatics.ca, for all your local pricing and shipping, all 14 teams are now included, including Panther City, Albany, and the new Roughneck Swag. Uh, For all of you in the United States, nllshop.com, and again, up here in Canada, fanatics.ca. A, um, unbelievable Layla Fernandez just knocked off the number 2 seed at the US Open uh, live updates here on the Off the Crossbar podcast uh, she wins it 2 sets to 1 3rd set 6-4 and the young teenager from Canada has now beat the number 2 seed the number 5 seed and the number 6 seed I believe what a run and she's off to her first ever Grand Slam final at the U.S. Open. Um, What up, Canada sports? Women's soccer, women's hockey, women's tennis now taking off. Women's lacrosse is up next. Careful, USA, we're coming for you. Um, That'll about do it here uh, on the Off the Crossbar podcast this week. Um, We had a lot to get to. We had some good conversations. Shout out Alex Pace and to Micah Kersey. Um, for giving us some time and talking about their situations. Again, Northern Torch is where you can find all information um, with Alex Pace and everything that he's doing. And, of course, um, you can also stick around to NLL.com or all the team's social media accounts and Twitter pages um, as teams slowly start to announce some more home opener dates. Um, Nothing official on who they're going to be playing but Vancouver Warriors tweeting out that they will have their home opener on December 17th. Uh, I believe last week, Panther City made mention that they will have theirs on the 10th. So um, slowly we're starting to see some more details on the schedule. Um, hopefully we'll have that in the next couple of weeks. And then we can really start to plan some road trips and figure out who's going to be where and when. And what the key games are going to be, etc. That'll do it. Um, let's get out of here. We've got fantasy football to watch. Cheer on all three of my teams to victory. Don't forget, whoever wins the Patrick Merrill Invitational will get 10 minutes on this show. Whoever loses gets five minutes to get absolutely destroyed. <laughs> guaranteed. Well, maybe not guaranteed. but After my draft, it might be me. I had a solid D rating. My draft. The Patrick Merrill Invitational. Um, find me on Twitter at OffTheCrossbar. Email me. teddy.jenner@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Or on Instagram at OTCB Podcast. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other. I am an
1: alcohol.